Alrighty, good morning. This is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a lovely, crisp October morning. Week four Sunday is upon us. We got uh, an American presidential election a month away, and it's been uh, a hell of a week. Wiz, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing good. You get a little bit of everything in this podcast, huh? Very well, nice. I mean, look, this has been just a. In my lifetime, I'm not sure I've quite seen as much go on politically in the last week as uh, we've seen. Uh, so pretty incredible stuff. I, I, you know, I don't want to get too deep in the woods in that one, but uh, I'd much rather talk about fantasy football to escape the uh, zaniness of Washington, D.C. Yep, let's get right to it then. Uh, we we want to talk a little bit about the, the Thursday game. Uh, I know my prop bet flopped. I've completely given up on Chris Herndon. I know before the season started, you were just absolutely him, raving yeah. about him. Disappointing. Um, and then I was on the bandwagon Thursday. But, it, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not saying that he's, you know, part of it's he's lost his confidence and, and he's not playing well. Um, the other part of it is that he's, you know, he's splitting time with Griffin basically at the position. So I would drop Chris Herndon in all formats at this point until – um, there's a coaching change or something changed dra- dramatically, but right now, you know, I just think it's a, a complete waste for Chris Herndon. As far as the game goes, uh, I don't know. You thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. I know you liked the Jets. You hit uh, some prop bets. You lost a couple of prop bets. But, uh, you know, but from where we are at this point with the Jets, I mean, well, let's let's make it under and over on weeks. Give me an under and over on weeks on Adam Gase making it through the season here. Yeah, I, I know they gave him a vote of confidence this past week, but you know, this is a team that didn't hold a lead before this week. The discipline, the lack of discipline on that team was was noteworthy the other night. I don't see it lasting another two to three weeks beyond 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 this. I really don't. I, I know what they said right now, but this is a complete disaster. Yep, fair, fair enough. And, I, right I, and I'd say good. one thing, like, yep. on, the, on the prop bets. Look, you know, we're going to be right and wrong on this stuff. So, you know, I, again, I think, look, we're talking fantasy football here, but we've we've tried to integrate this. We think there's some inefficiencies and some interesting plays that can be done. You know, you knew my lock of the week for this week, and I, and I kind of priced myself accordingly. So even though I lost on the Jets and I lost a couple of prop bets, the way I weighted it, I actually ended up winning some money. And my, and my lock of the night um, was, was kind of funny. I actually had a number of people that actually played it off listening to our podcast, and they sent me text messages afterwards. Thanks very much. I hit on this. And it was my lock of the night was, Sam Donald eight and a half yards rushing, which I thought was just absolutely criminal. Um, it was finished in, actually in the first drive. Uh, it, w- it was done, and obviously I didn't expect them to reel off a forty-six and a half yard, a forty-six yard touchdown run. But yeah, look, sometimes uh, you look like a genius, uh, and I don't think that's going to be the case all the time. I did happen to listen to what Adam Gase was saying about moving him out of the pocket, and like Wiz was saying. Denver gets after the quarterback, and we saw that. So he was going to have to jump out of there and get the hell out of there, especially that line was a disaster for the Jets. And, you know, it just was a situation that worked out. But, you know, I just we want our listeners to know we're trying to be right 60-odd 60, 60 percent of the time, and that's a, a winning formula if you can do it right. And you got to size and, I, I would say, target your bets effectively. That's an important ingredient in what we're trying to do. 
Again, it doesn't matter if they overcame him because Sam McDonald has tremendous athletic ability or because he's running for his dear life. Like I thought, you know, winner is a winner, and uh, that one was in the books. Uh, that one was in the books very, very early. So let, let's let's get to um, let's get to the love them, leave them segment of the podcast where we're going to go position by position. Um, the four skilled spots in terms of fantasy football, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We're going to give you some picks we love at the position, some picks we're suggesting we leave. We may mix in some sleepers as well, uh, some players uh, at quarterback that are outside maybe the top 12, and then at the other positions uh, that can even be further down the list. So uh, since you had the Sam Donald and uh, you're now becoming a quarterback expert, uh, you start off with your quarterback rankings for this week. Who are you loving and who are you leaving in week four? Okay, so um, I'm not going to name the obvious guys, so I'm going to get a little bit, you know, kind of a little deeper into the woods, if you will. So I know I, I mentioned Deshaun Watson a couple of podcasts ago, and I think this is a week where you know, your Minnesota Viking defense just can't get anything right. And I think this is a week where you want to start Deshaun Watson and get him in there. I know there's a lot of people that are maybe questioning it because the team is just not playing well. Uh, but this is a week you want Watson starting. That's that's my guy that I think is kind of outside the top 10 when I look at a lot of rankings. So I, I got him there. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is an interesting one. Uh, I was talking to Wiz earlier. Um, and the Seattle secondary is a mess. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have one of those days. Um, I think it'll be a, a very high-scoring game down down in Miami uh, this, car, this this week. And the other guy um, is a guy that's kind of just outside the top ten, I would say. But you know, I think the pieces were being put together last week, and we're going to pile one more, more on. And there's injuries on on the defensive side of the ball, and they're not playing well. The New Orleans Saints defense, I'm talking about, but Matt Stafford is a is, is a prime start for me. I think I looked at DraftKings by the way; he's 5,800 bucks. I think that's a complete joke. So I love Stafford, I love Watson, and I love uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. All right, who are you leaving? Uh, I'm leaving Drew Brees. Um, I, you know, I know he's not going to be ranked, you know, near the top after the last couple of weeks. But Mike Thomas out again. I'm just leaving the guy at this point in time. I have no faith in what's going on there. I can't get the ball down the field. And the other maybe more obvious guy that I'm going to leave. I didn't like what I saw from him last week. They got to travel across the country this week. And I think I think Matt Rule and the and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, are, are playing a lot better than anybody anticipated at this point in time. I'm leaving Kyler Murray this week. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a little bit of a letdown game. DeAndre Hopkins is coming into this game a little banged up, so I'm leaving Kyler Murray this week. Very, uh, very interesting. Now, uh, are you just attributing? Hold on, let me let me get to your one of your problems, and I just just want to have a few you know caveats on this one, so you don't get like you know uh, you know after the fact or whatever. So, one is. Are you concerned at all about like this hamstring, which is just a constant thing with Will Fuller? And if Sunday comes across um, and he's been ruled out or whatever, he just doesn't feel good in warmups, would you completely change that? Or are you so against the Vikings defense, irrespective of what the status of Fuller is, he's going to be on your uh, 
your 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 love list. It's the latter. It's the latter. Uh, you know, Will Fuller was uh, was kind of messed up a couple of weeks ago. You know, F- Watson did have an okay week anyway. I think I think we're going to see more Jordan Akins. I've mentioned that you know they'll probably utilize David Johnson a little bit more in the backfield, and maybe Watson uses his legs a bit. I just think the the Minnesota defense is reeling. I think Mike Zimmer's lost that team, and I'm going with a guy whose back is against the wall, and I trust him that he's going to carry his team this week. So I'm looking for Deshaun Watson to step on up. Excellent. All right, I'm going to get to my quarterback uh, list. Uh, mine is mine is going to be a little bit shorter. Um, I'm going to give one that I absolutely love and one that I'm leaving for the week. My love is going to be Minshew Magic. Um, for a myriad of reasons. One is I'm not going to go by what happened last week. They didn't have DJ Shark playing and those other receivers. They're just not number one receivers. I mean, LaVisca Chenault is going to be a good player. He's a rookie. He's only played a few games. And, um, and Keenan Cole is another good receiver, but he he's you know going to be better with Shark in the lineup. So Shark off the you know the the, the ten days off is is playing this week, and I know Cincinnati put up a tremendous um, defensive effort last week in that overtime tie against the Eagles, but. The Eagles receivers, I think the top two receivers on their depth chart last week were Harold Carmichael and Vince Papali. So they just had no way of moving the ball, and Carson Wentz is playing terrible as well. So I'm having expecting a big week from Gardner Minshew. The Minshew magic will be back against Cincinnati in this week. So I'm loving Gardner Minshew, and I am leaving Russell Wilson the number one ranked quarterback on everyone's draft board for week four rankings, everything. And I just feel it's going to be a down week. Now, do I feel Russell Wilson's going to have 97 yards passing like Lamar Jackson did? No, but he's ranked as the number one quarterback on everyone's board for this week. And I'm going to say outside the top five, maybe even outside the top 10 for this week. Um, I'll get to the reasons why when we get to my picks, but I'm leaving Russell Wilson this week. I think he's going to struggle in that 90-degree heat that they're forecasting for Miami. So that's why I'm leaving. Interesting, interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, so we'll see uh, We'll see how that turns out. Uh, anything you want to add about the quarterback position before we move on to running back? No, we can move on to running back. Uh, that's fine. Why don't you start off at uh, running back? All right, so let's uh, let's get to the running back. Let's get to the running back position, and uh, there's, a, there's a few guys who I who I who I just think I guess are sure things this week. Um, I'm loving Clyde Edwards Elaire this week um, for a lot of reasons. Um, I'll get more into depth details about why when we get to the prop plays, but I, I'm loving Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think that Jags Bengal game is going to be a high scoring game. I'm coming right back with Joe Mixon. I think it's now and never for Joe Mixon this week. And I think it's going to be now. And I think he's going to have a big, big game. And I like Kenyon Drake. I mean some of the reasons you mentioned about their receivers banging up, I think he's going to be a big, big big part of that um you know i just i, I just think he's going to be a huge part of that offense um this week so those are the three sure things that i have 
for this week. And as far as a guy that I'm I'm kinda, you know, leaving oh, let me give one other one other way down the list guy. I think Malcolm Brown of the Rams is a guy that's ranked way down the list. He's probably not even in the top thirty or thirty five uh running backs. Considered, most people probably wouldn't even have a starter, even if you're starting three running backs this week. But I think Malcolm Brown, without Cam Akers, is going to be a bigger part of that offense. And I look for Malcolm Brown to get maybe 50 or 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. So Malcolm Brown is my guy way, way down the list. As far as who I'm leaving, I'm leaving Austin Eckler. Um now, I'm not saying Austin Eckler won't catch five or six passes in this game. He very well may do that. I'm not sure about the yardage, but we've learned one thing. You just cannot run against that Tampa defense. Uh, they get on top of you, and that run, they, they have played against the elite running backs in the National Football League, McCaffrey, Kamara, uh Last week, uh, they you know there was not, not even Melvin Gordon had 20 yards rushing. They didn't really try and even run against Tampa. So um, I'm leaving. It's not that I think Joshua Kelly is going to run the ball much either. So I'm leaving both those guys. But Austin Eckler is a guy who's inside the top 10 that I'm leaving because anytime a running back is just in my view reduced to what he's going to do in the passing game, I have to leave him with the caveat that he could catch five or six passes, but as far as rushing yards go, um, I'm leaving Austin Eckler. So that's my view with running back. What say you? So it's interesting. I don't want to uh, pat ourselves on the back, but you know, when we went back and look at these uh, kind of preview shows that we were doing in the summer, and this is to your point about the Tampa Bay uh, defense, we spoke that this was a, we thought this was a, easy top 10 defense. Uh, we thought that the the Winston uh, turnovers last year were, were a big factor in kind of, you know, maybe hiding you know behind the fact that this defense was quite elite, especially up front. And they have a young secondary that's playing better too. So, and that's played out very well. I know you have them in a couple of leagues. I have them in a couple of leagues as well. It's really fun to see. It's funny enough that I actually had Eckler as one of my leave as well. So I won't expound upon what you said for the exact reasons that, that you, uh, that you spoke about. The other guy I'm going to leave at running back. I think the material impact of what's going on, on the offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. I think Ezekiel Elliott's ranked too high right now. I think this team is going to be more reliant on that on that pass game. And I, I don't know that you can have a lot. I don't think he looks right. I don't know what's going on there. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Prescott has had over 400 yards, I, I think, every week so far. Um I'm staying away from Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm not liking what I'm seeing there. I think that beat up offensive line is uh, is hurting him quite a bit. Uh, so guys, I like this week, and then you can kind of comment uh, on that. There's, there's two guys, and one's from the same game you mentioned. I agree with you on Malcolm Brown. I definitely see that kind of line coming out. I, I think the Rams win this game going away against the Giants. Um, so I think Henderson will have a big game to kind of start it off and, and open this thing up, and, and Malcolm Brown will probably close it out. So I do like Daryl Henderson in this one. And, and the other guy I like, just because he's going to be the only show in town, um, and he played very well last week, but Ronald Jones uh, is a guy I think you have to play this week, especially no Godwin. I think they'll lean on the running game a little bit more 
We know that uh, that uh, Charger defense is banged up. So those are the two guys that I actually like that are kind of, I would say, probably ranked somewhere between 15 and 20, I would guess. Yeah, I think uh, I think certainly on volume, uh, Ronald Jones, um, you know, looks you know looks like you know he he should be uh, you know a good play, especially if if Tampa gets on top of them. Um, let me question about that game. You know, Sean McCoy has been just you know such a non-existent factor uh, for a couple of years now. Some good games last year when he signed with Kansas City. So do you think there could be a, a revival of, of Shady McCoy being used as, you know, really much more involved in the passing game and, uh, you know, being a veteran, you know, Brady likes to throw to those type of players. I mean, there hasn't been a great connection yet, but do you think uh, Shady McCoy gets in there and, and does something in the passing game? Because, you know, Ronald Jones is a good player, but he, he's certainly not skilled in the receiving uh, aspect of his game. Uh, yeah, no, you know, look, I, he had five catches uh, the other day in, in, in week two. He had two last week. He's definitely getting in there on third down, but um, not enough to play him in any kind of format. I think this is going to be Ronald Jones' game. But, but you know, like I said, he, he could steal a few catches here or there, but not, I'm not looking for a big explosive game from him in any way, in any way shape, or form. Yeah, yep. Like can definitely see that. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver, and this is uh, your turn. So uh, go ahead, have at it. Uh, tell us who your sure things, maybe sleepers, and who you're leaving at uh, wide receiver this week. All right, so I got four guys that I think are sure things this week. Uh, I'm going to look at the pace of the game uh, in, in Kansas City this week, and, and Julian Edelman to me is an absolute sure thing to catch nine or ten balls um, and, and have a big day. Uh, you guys know I like Stafford for, for that reason. little rust off of his tires uh, last week. Kenny Galladay got out there. Uh, I did mention that the New Orleans secondary is banged up. Uh, Kenny Galladay, you know, this is going to be a little opening up for him. I can see him breaking 100 yards, a touchdown, seven or eight catches. Um, Tyler Boyd is the target in in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's playing great, and he's the guy you want to own. And I, I love Tyler Boyd this week. And the last guy, because of that secondary being banged up, and hopefully the extra rest coming off of that Thursday night game. But this is a Devontae Parker game in in uh, for, for, against the Seahawks. Uh, I, I like him this week just because, again, I mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think there's a very good connection there. And, and guys I'm staying away from, it's pretty plain and simple. I'm not playing guys coming back from injuries. I don't want anything to do with them. Guys coming in here banged up for this week. So there's three guys I'm just going to mention. I'm not playing Julio Jones. I'm not playing DeAndre Hopkins if he plays. And I'm not playing Terry McLaurin. Washington stinks, and he's coming in very questionable. So those are guys that I'm staying away from this week. Very good. As far as my love list, I had my two main guys were Edelman and Parker. Uh, we don't talk about these things beforehand, so uh, you know there's no reason to you know go over the same stuff. But uh, you know, obviously reasons. I- I've talked about this before. I, I think Edelman. You've got to just view this as whether to play him or not based on the Patriots' opponents. I mean, there were times when you would just send Edelman out there no matter what. But I just think the Patriots have got to be playing against an opponent that can put up points for you to play Edelman. Otherwise, they're just going to play a conservative game. Yeah, he may, you know, 
he may be able to catch five for fifty or six for forty-five in, in but that you know that that's that's kind of like an average game for a lot of receivers. So it, for a big game like you're predicting, eight, nine, ten catches, which I definitely could see this week. I think the opponent of the Patriots really matters. So keep your eye on that. So with you scooping me for Parker and Edelman, I'm going to go to a couple of different receivers. I mentioned Minshew Magic, so I'm going to mention DJ Shark. Um, He's back 10 days off. I'm sure he's fully recovered, ready to go. And I think DJ Shark, that combination of Minshew to Shark is going to be, uh, you know, uh, connecting early and often in that game. And then another receiver down the list, way down there, if you hurt by the Steeler game being canceled or you have receivers banged up. I'm liking Gabriel Davis this week from the Bills. And and I I do realize that John Brown is is starting this week. But he's an explosive guy. He's on the field a lot. And uh, I don't know. I'm not really concerned about that Raider defense. So I'm going to – you know, give 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 him as like a guy that's a real sleeper down the list as far as Gabriel Davis goes. And uh, as far as who I'm leaving, I left off. Um, Russ Wilson is someone who I'm leaving, and this week I'm leaving DK Metcalf. I just think it all goes down this week for Seattle. Um, again, I'm not predicting DK Metcalf's going to take a donut, not at all. But he's ranked inside like the top five this week. And kind of like given the comparison to what you said about Elliott, the ranking is just too high. Um, I've talked about that I think Miami's playing better um, and they're playing well um, despite their, you know, what their record shows. They, 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 they've been very, very competitive. And I like Miami to, to play well in this game today. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that DK Metcalf is a guy that I'm leaving again, not because he's not a great player and not because he's not going to, you know, I'm not saying he's going to put up no stats, but for where he's ranked in, in comparison to how I feel the result is going to be, I'm leaving DK Metcalf off. Okay. Very interesting. All right. So, Let's move to the tight end spot. Um, and I guess I'll have a go at this first. And uh, I'm going to start off with my leave. I'm leaving Jimmy Graham off. And I know there's a, a lot of momentum for that player and swirling about him and people, Jimmy Graham is back and all of that stuff. But I'm not buying that. Um it's one thing to have a good game against the Falcons, who just give up good games to every position and every player. I mean, every player at every position. But I'm leaving him this week. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be outside the top 12 um, this week. The Colts a much better defense. I think that game in itself is going to be kind of a conservative, low-scoring game. I'm not liking Jimmy Graham. I'm not, and I'm certainly not liking him as – um, a tight end one for this week. So I'm leaving him. And as far as my, you know, guys I love, I'm not going to give any of these guys like Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Waller, you know, Ertz's figures to get a lot of volume. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to give. I'm going way down the list with two tight ends who are not only considered, who won't be considered in the top 12, they probably won't be considered in the top 20. Uh, The first one is Adam Troutman from the Saints, who is a 
skilled tight end. Jared Cook is out. He may get a chance. And, you know, yeah, Cook will be back, and he'll be hot and cold, Troutman, and he won't get much playing time some games. But for this game, this fantasy pick, uh, this week, the matchup, it all kind of lines up pretty good for Troutman. So I'm going with Troutman. And also I'm going with another one that's considered another, you know, a tight end that's outside the top 20 is Robert Townian from the Packers. And I think – uh, with the injuries that they have, I think you're going to see him much more in the vertical passing game, actually, in a delightful matchup against Atlanta. So I'm um, leaving Graham and I'm giving out two sleeper tight ends, and I predict one of them will finish inside the top 10 this week. How about that? So we don't talk before these things. So just to be very perfectly clear about who we love and like and all this sort of stuff. And b- believe it or not, those are the exact two tight ends that I love this week. And I'm going to go one step further. Uh, first of all, I put Troutman in uh, for the Sunday um, uh, t- uh, for the Sunday DraftKings. I've got him in every lineup. He's twenty five hundred bucks. I think it's a yeah, uh, I'm in as well. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, uh, again, you mentioned Cook being out, but he's a very skilled player. He started to get a little bit of action, and Drew Brees is not throwing the ball very far down the field. Uh, so no Mike Thomas. There's all the reasons to, to like Troutman in this game, and the $2,500 price uh, is egregious the way I look at it in, in DraftKings. So that's out there as well as with you, and I'm with you on Tanya for all the reasons, so I'm not going to repeat. So it's really funny that we have the same two guys. Um Two guys I do not like, and, and the first one is going to be at the top of everybody's list, and I went and I looked at this, and it's a guy that I loved last week. I thought it was a, a rock solid from a prop perspective to, to do what he did, and I'm going to go the other way on the player this week, and that's Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey has played against the Patriots six or seven times. We spoke about last week. I said I was afraid of Waller. I know he was coming in injured, but the Patriots have a knack for taking away uh, your strong offensive weapon, and they did it last week with Waller, and they're going to do it again because historically they have done that with Travis Kelsey. Only in his rookie year in 2014 did Travis Kelsey go above 70 yards receiving against Bill Belichick. The rest of the times, they've been absolute mediocre performances. I don't think he actually broke 50 yards in any of them. Uh, So I'm fading Travis Kelsey for that reason. And the other guy I'm fading just because I think he's you know, you mentioned loss of confidence, Chris Herndon. We just have a loss of confidence in football, period, here in the New York metropolitan area. Um, you know, no Sterling Shepard. It hasn't equated to any kind of success in fantasy for Evan Ingram. I don't want to see that player in the top 10 till he, till he does something. So I'm not starting Evan Ingram under any circumstances right now. I think he's running around in a coma out there. I want nothing to do with the player. Yeah, I, gave you, I must have given Evan Ingram as my fade for the season about 10 times when we started doing the podcast back in the spring over and over and over. And uh, yeah, I think those people that listened to me as far as my negative view on Ingram are thanking me uh, over and over for that one. So yeah, interesting ones. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think uh, those two sleeper guys at tight end this week uh, are going to be interesting. One, if not both, uh, I think are, are going to really make a lot of noise this week and, and get in there. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, I don't mind the, the feed on, um, on Travis Kelsey, considering their opponent and what they like to do. 
So that being said, let's get into the wagering portion of the podcast uh, where we talk about the games that we like versus the point spread and then the exciting player prop. So why don't we why don't we start with the games that we like this week versus the spread and we'll get into the player props uh, afterwards. So uh, uh, go ahead. Why don't, you, why don't you start with the games that you like versus the spread? What, what, what stands out to you as games that you're going to be playing this week? So Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs, I, the line is moving around. Uh, I happen to get it at six and a half. I like the Chiefs against the Patriots uh, laying the six and a half. Uh, and, and the other game that I like, I just think there's just going to be too much defense being played. And I, I worry about Justin Herbert going down to, to, to Tampa Bay and it, it Humid conditions, tough defense, all that kind of reasons. But the page, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lane seven against uh, the Chargers. I like I like them as well. And I played a teaser where I, I didn't have like full confidence in it. So it's a small bet that pay, pays off very very high. But I like some of the bets within within the teaser. Uh, I like the Lions this week. I think the Lions are going to win that game outright against the Saints. Um, I, you remember me saying something similar along the lines when the Raiders played uh, against the Saints. And I'm going to say the same thing here. I don't like. Like anything I see about the Saints. So I think the Lions are going to win this game. They had some confidence coming off that win against Arizona. Uh, I like over 52 and a half in that Las Vegas Raider Buffalo Bill game. I'll take the Chiefs. Sorry, I'll take the Seahawks laying five and a half against the Miami Dolphins. And I think the Rams are going to run roughshod over the Giants. I see that game being like a 38 to 17 type game uh, laying 13 and a half. I went with that and I parlayed that bet. So when you say a teaser, that that's a different bet than a parlay. Well, a teaser is so, when sorry, I par- you I parlayed take it. a ten point and you make them pick them. No. There's like a ten point teaser. There's a six point teaser. Did you mean a teaser? No, I, I, I meant a parlay. Excuse me, I, I was off on that. Okay, I'm, I'm, so we'll teaser bets uh, that you know people love doing too, where you take a game and you make a ten point teaser, and uh, you have to hit a, a bunch of them, but you you you're able to move the the spread uh, ten. 10 points. But as far as the games for this week, I like a couple. Yeah, I like Tampa, but I'm not going to go over that again because you did. Um, I like the Bills on the road to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. They're three and a half. Tampa, we mentioned before, was seven. And my best bet of the week is the Miami Dolphins getting five and a half against the Seahawks. And I know you just mentioned that you like the Seahawks. But I'm going to tell you something about this. I've seen NFL players over the years talk about this. And I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people just overlook. But I've seen NFL players talk about Teams coming into Miami late September, early October, and are not ready to play in the kind of heat that is going to be uh, at game time for this week. And I've seen players just talk about it over and over again. And then on top of that, you talk about the Seahawks' last two games. A game that they won on the last play of the game, stopping Cam Newton at the one-yard line. Then they play the wild shootout at home against the Cowboys. I am concerned about the heat. I'm concerned about their emotional aspect of those two games and then traveling on the road to Miami. So I'm predicting Miami wins the game outright. I'm going to be taking him on the money line. I'm going to be taking him plus five and a half points as well in case Russell Wilson pulls out a squeaker. But I am loving the Miami Dolphins as my best bet this week. Oh, excellent. So we're going toe-to-toe again. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you got me last week with uh, 
I was feeling pretty good about that game, not only were the Texans getting four and a half, but I think they may have had a seven or a ten point lead, but he came back to uh to win and cover. But I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about Miami. I I'll say this one last thing about the game, then we'll go on to the player props. If the Seahawks go on the road in this situation and Russell Wilson goes wild and the Seahawks win this game by ten, fourteen points, that'll be it. I will never fade Russell Wilson or the Seahawks again. But in my view, this is a prime prime spot for Miami and I think they're going to win the game. I think the heat so, uh, I think the heat that... uh, I think the heat argument is an interesting one. I, I do. And and you're looking at you know little factors like that. I think it's I think it's insightful. Um, you know, the one thing I know Russell Wilson, I think he's won his last 11 games in the Eastern Time Zone, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but the heat is a different story and I, and you know look, they're up in the northwest, uh, Pacific Northwest. It's it's nice uh, temperate conditions up there, so it's a very 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 uh, I think yeah, I, you know, I I have seen, you know, I've thought about it and then I've seen players get you know interviewed and talking about it guys who retired and talked about it this time of year and then when you look at the Seahawks yeah they've been great but the one thing is due to the injuries on defense and the, when you look at their skilled players they are not a deep football team and if if Lockett and Metcalf have to take breathers in that game which they will they really don't have many guys that are going to be able to hurt you I don't think and the Dolphins uh, I just think are kind of used to that weather used to playing in that heat and uh, their cornerbacks are pretty good I, I like the matchup and I, I just think it's it's something that people need to consider when you're looking at the game that it is tough to play a football game in that weather when you are not used to it and you're playing in these games where you played these three games where the first game was out of Atlanta in a cushy dome and then you're playing in the Pacific Northwest two exciting emotional games that really came down to the very very end I, I just think there's a lot of factors to like Miami in this game and uh, for all of those reasons uh, and the fact that Miami I think is playing well and is a pretty good and upcoming football team. I like Miami to win this game, but we'll, we'll see. Either on, on when we do the podcast on Monday, I'm going to be looking like a fool or a genius, but I'm okay with that. Um, let's get to player props. I know you have been waiting and studying and analyzing it. As soon as they come out, you break it down. Very analytical when it comes to this stuff. So I'm going to give you first crack at this. Tell me all the player props that you're loving for this week. Okay, I did a uh, I did a single, I did three singles, and I did one parlay. So the singles are Daniel Jones, eighteen and a half yards rushing against the Rams. Uh, kind of like what we thought this week. You know, you, gotta, you just have to, you have to cl- clarify on these things whether you like the under or over. Yeah, you, you just mentioned eighteen and a half. I'm assuming you like the over. I do, but you just 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 for the viewing and I mean the listening audience. You know, just just clarify if it's over or under. Yeah, so I like the over in that game. He's going to be on the run. Uh, Aaron Donald and company are going to be chasing after him. So Daniel Jones will get his, you know, 25, 30 yards rushing. So I think that 18 and a half is a, 
is, is a lock in terms of uh, my view. Uh, I mentioned Travis Kelsey. I mentioned what he's done historically against the New England Patriots. So 67 and a half yards. I took the under uh, Travis Kelsey yards for this week. Um, and I mentioned Tyler Boyd, a player I like. Uh, I like the over 58 and a half yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, I, like I said, I think he's the number one target there. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, they'll be moving the ball up and down the field. So that's what I would say on, on that one. And then I did a parlay. Um, where I am trying to find it now. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a couple of different layers to it. Uh, so here we go. Uh, I like 63 and a half yards receiving over Kenny Galladay. I like 24 and a half yards receiving Miles Gaskin, the running back from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I, uh, I like the over on that. I absolutely, and, and I'm going to probably bet this uh, singularly as well. I haven't done so yet. Minus 270 and a half yards passing Baker Mayfield. And last is rush, that under or that's on, under, uh, under, under on okay. that one. And, and the over on 67 and a half yards rushing for Daryl Henderson. So over Henderson, okay. 67 and a half, under Baker Mayfield, 270 and a half, over 24 and a half yards receiving Miles Gaskin, and over 63 and a half yards receiving Kenny Galladay. That's all in a parlay. Excellent stuff. So I have uh, four as well, uh, individual ones uh, that I that I really enjoy this week. Uh, Devontae Parker, I mentioned him before. Uh, we both have him on our love list at wide receiver. Over 62 and a half. He just hadn't had hasn't had his explosiveness yet. Ten days off since the last game, and. The Seahawks look like they're playing with about four or five guys on the field on defense. Uh, I think Devontae Parker is going to go over 62.5 fairly easily. Uh, The next one is Joe Mixon. I think it's now this week. Uh, that that, That defense for the Jags looks completely lost, and I think they're going to get Mixon going in a big way, over 75.5 yards rushing. Uh, the next one is an under. Uh, I know Adrian Peterson has been having a few good games, but I think because of game script and everything else, I love Adrian Peterson under 49 and a half yards rushing this week. Uh, I think uh, the game script will, will call for him to have a limited usage, and even when he's on the field, I don't think he's going to do that much this week. So I'm loving Peterson under 49 and a half. And then I have my best game of the week. I have my best prop of the week. Uh, this is this is just you know one that for a lot of reasons I love Clyde Edwards Alaire over twenty six and a half yards receiving and actually some of it is based on what you have said about Kelsey so I've studied the games that the Patriots play against the Chiefs and their defense and Belichick they're trying to do two things one is they are going to allow Tyreek Hill to catch the ball, but they want him to catch six for 70, five for 70, seven for 60. They are refusing to let him get that deep pass. They think that's a crusher. So they are making him catch the ball underneath and playing a very conservative defense against Tyreek Hill. Number two, to your point, they, as great of a receiver as Tyreek Hill is, I think everyone who understands football knows that Mahomes' real comfort level is with Kelsey. And 
what Belichick tries to do is he tries to take the other team's comfort level away. And Kelsey's a great player. Mahomes makes throws that nobody else could make. So Kelsey's going to catch some passes, but they don't want him going crazy against you when they're playing the Patriots. So they're playing conservative against Hill. They're trying to take away Kelsey. There is going to be so much room for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to finally show off what he can really do and hasn't done yet is in that receiving game, his elusiveness, especially in the open field, I think 26 and a half yards is a complete joke. He may do that. He may catch more for that, more receiving yards on the first swing pass. He's going to have opportunities for screens, screen passes, combined with the room and the way Kelsey and Tyreek Hill is going to clear the defenders out for him. I am loving Clyde Edwards-Alaire over 26 and a half yards receiving this week. Yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's a great assessment for sure. And I think uh, we haven't seen really him uh, get out in the flat. And I think this is a perfect uh, opportunity for the for the Chiefs to exploit that. We know Andy Reid brought, brought this player in for a reason in the first round. And, and that's one of the things that we definitely haven't seen enough of thus far. And I think your points are, are extremely lucid and make a lot of sense. Yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see how it plays out and uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, anything else you wanted to add uh, about week four? Anything uh, you know uh, about these potential? Uh, there looks to be a lot, you know, like a lot of situations that are really gonna come down to tomorrow and crucial ones. Um, you know, Hopkins looks like I don't know what I've read about this, like they're gonna leave it up to him and it's gonna be a real game time decision. Chris Carson went from being out maybe two weeks to being probable for Sunday. So where where are you in this stuff? Are you in the camp of I don't care, they could be great players. I'm not taking the risk. Like, wh- where are you? And is it, is it case by case? Like, what do you do if you're owner of Chris Carson? Right? He's not McCaffrey or Elliott or Barkley or you know Kamara, but he's a good, good player. So if he's active and you have him on your fantasy team, what do you do with the player? So uh, first off, we we should probably watch to see what the um, what the Seattle Seahawks do in terms of. Uh, Who's actually going to be available on on, uh, on game day? So I don't think DJ Dallas has been active yet, uh, but I could see that player being active, and I think that would kind of. I, I think Carlos Hyde is also a little bit banged up. And look, my view. I know it's like you said, it's going to be hot, but um, you know, my view coming into the season, it was a let Russ cook, and I think uh, it's still going to be of a let Russ cook story. So I'm definitely not playing uh, Chris Carson if I own him. Definitely not playing. Okay, so you're 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 going to play conservatively, and uh, these guys coming off injuries, um, you're 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 a little dubious about. That's correct. All right, great stuff. Uh, good luck to everyone out there in your fantasy game. Good luck for those that are wagering on games and and props. Uh, if you're following us, so far it's been pretty good, and. Uh, Hopefully, it will be another good week. You know, we try and uh, give some insight into the fantasy aspect, the wagering of it. But, you know, like we talk about all the time, it's kind of like tied in together. A lot of times, the guys we love are the guys that we're putting in the props, or if we love a quarterback, 
for the fantasy week. We're kind of maybe putting one of their receivers in the props as well. So it's kind of tied in. But, you know, I, I just feel in this day and age, a lot of people are wagering on these kind of things. And uh, I think we have to be on top of it and uh, and help people as much as we can. Yeah, it's absolutely a new new breed. It's a new story. It's a new product availability. It's something, as I talked about the other day, that's become more readily available here in the United States and, and will become more prolific. It's something that's very big internationally, but it's going to become even more prolific as more states uh, go legal on this. So, uh, and, and, and Wiz and I think there's an, an efficiency in some of these markets. And, you know, as, as Wiz has said, you know, guys who make lines on games have been doing it for years. People who make lines on, on, on player performances, this is a very new new science. So we're enjoying it. We're having fun with it. We're not going to get everyone right. So you know, I'm sure there'll be guys that say, you cost me money and all that sort of stuff. But you know what? That is not what we're trying to do here. Uh, you know, we have confidence in some more than others, but we're looking to have fun. And for the most part, like I said, you know, we're looking to be right 60% of the time. And that's uh, that's a successful ratio as uh, if you're uh, investing or gambling and uh, looking at something like this. So there's, there's you know, I'm not using a, a scientific method, nor are you, but we're looking at history. Um, I think a big part of it is is actually game flow and trying to predict that because that really plays into a lot of what we're thinking. Would you disagree with that? No, I definitely, I definitely would agree. But I, you know, I have to laugh and chuckle to myself sometimes because, you know, when I was growing up, and you know, you were able to bet on football games, there would be one line. It would be the line on the game, and there would be an under over. Now, you have the line on the game and the under and over, and then you have the first quarter line, the halftime line, the third quarter line, and on every single commercial break in a football game, there is in-live wagering where they make a current line based on where the score is, how much is left in the game, how much time is left in the game. They will make a line and a total. They do it on every sport. I just happened to be watching a baseball game the other day, and it was like went to commercial after like the fifth or sixth inning, and there was a new line. You know, they made the total and, and, and the money line on the game based on the score it's a different world and uh, you know for these uh, people who are you know growing up with looking at you know sports wagering there are a lot more opportunities than uh, we used to have and uh, it's it's a lot of fun and uh, I, I just think that the thing is is that no matter what it doesn't matter if you know five lines are offered or five million lines are offered you have to pick and choose and be selective because the more wages you put in, uh, I just feel like the better chance you're giving uh, the, the sports book of beating you because just, you know, the, the more you bet, the, the win percentage is difficult to sustain. So no matter what, how many options you have, whether you're listening to every one of our picks, a few of our picks, some of your picks and some of our picks, be selective, narrow it down and, That'll be your best chance to win. Yeah, and I think uh, I so I was talk someone mentioned that exact thing. I, I've not been watching a lot of baseball, but they had mentioned that they were watching the baseball playoffs on ESPN. One of my neighbors here, and he said like it's right at the bottom of the screen. It actually, I he I, I think he mentioned that it changes pitch by pitch sometimes, which is just remarkable to me. Re remarkable stuff. And remember. 
companies like ESP or Disney, I should say, have started to do business with some of these companies like a draft <laughs> DraftKings and uh, Penn Gaming, which has an affiliation with Barstool Sports that's now offering online betting in the state of Pennsylvania. So these are very, very, these are fascinating stories that are playing out. And look, there are, like I've discussed already, the sin states are going to need some money. Uh, I think there's currently six states in the country that you can do this legally in. I believe that'll be half the states in the country in a couple of years, you know, post-pandemic. There's going to be a lot of need for funds, and this is one way to do it. And uh, it's very fun, and it's very exciting, and it's analytical. There are hedge funds that are actually looking at this sort of stuff. So this is really becoming quite a, a skill set in which people are looking at. We're going to have the most fun that we can possibly have with it. So, and, and that's what we're doing. I just want to mention one other thing, too, is a legend passed away yesterday. You know, you mentioned Tom Seaver uh, a few weeks back, and, and that was my boyhood hero. But a guy I remember as a little kid as being such a, such a fierce competitor on the mound, I wasn't around to see what he was doing. You know, I was too young at the time, but Bob Gibson, Hall of Fame pitcher since St. Louis Cardinals, who had one of the most amazing seasons in the history of baseball with a 1.12 ERA in 1968. He went 22-9. and nine. Somehow he lost nine games with that ERA, but he passed away yesterday. So I wanted to mention that, you know, another legend leaves us. We've lost Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson uh, basically within a month of one another. It's certainly one of those guys that I saw at the tail end of, my, uh, of his career, but such an imposing figure on the mound and, uh, you know, a legendary pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend of mine, he's, you know, in his 70s, and his favorite pitcher of all time, and probably his favorite baseball player of all time, uh, was Bob Gibson, because not only of his electric stuff, but man, he was a mean, mean guy on that mound, and uh, if he felt you were, you know, uh, you know, a little close to the plate, he let you know about it, and uh, if you wanted to come out to the mound and do something about it, he had no problem with that either. He was a big, strong tough guy. What a shame. But I just want to mention my favorite Bob Gibson story. Tim McCarver told it over and over again. It's just such a great story. It's a funny story. And it just shows the type of, you know, um, guy that Bob Gibson was. Is that it was just one of those days where Gibson was getting hit. And that was very, very infrequently. And after I think he had given up a home run, Tim McCarver slowly starts, you know, making his way up to the mound, and he's about to face Gibson and say something to him. And Gibson looks at McCarver and says, "If you knew anything about pitching, you wouldn't be a 200 hitter, would you be? Now get behind your plate and squat and wait for me to throw the next pitch." I mean, it's just, it's just fantastic. I mean, just love how tough he was and what a great competitor he was. That's a good story. That's a really good story. So, um, all right. So we'll wrap it up there. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're having a lot of fun with this stuff. Hopefully you're along with the ride and subscribe to the podcast because all this stuff will come right to your emails. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Uh, like I said, follow us. Uh, we're throwing some stuff on TikTok now and again. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun with it. And uh, we will talk again next week. And good luck to everyone for the coming week. And don't be afraid to play some of those picks that we said on DraftKings as well. Because, uh, like I mentioned, I think Troutman is a real steal. Wiz gave you a few tight ends. Uh, we'll probably preview maybe that Monday night game. We'll try to do that as well. But... Wiz, have a good rest of your uh, Saturday, and we'll uh, we'll touch base later. You got it.